Welcome to the beautiful campus of LCMSU, everyone. Who are you? I am the Chancellor. Yeah, baby. Pastor yeah. Marcus Zill. Oh, yeah, just Hi. Oh, yeah. Hey, is this heaven? No. It's Iowa. Reverend Sean Kilgo checking in from northeastern Kansas. How are you doing today, Sean? I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing fantabulous. Now, I have had you on before, and somehow, yes. even though you've been on once, you agreed to come back a second time. So I did. Someone told me there's supposed to be a check in the mail for this. <laughs> Anyways, you are the associate pastor at what is known affectionately as a Northeast Kansas Partnership. What right. is that? So it's a, a group of four churches uh, in Sabetha, Fairview, and Hiawatha, Kansas, who were all experiencing vacancies at the same time about 11 years ago. And they all joined together uh, in partnership to call uh, jointly two pastors. Uh, so this goes back to uh, what was called the Gesamtgemeinde. CFW Walther served uh, on when he was around the St. Louis area. And there's some other similarities to this throughout throughout history. Okay, so uh, you're comparing uh, yourself to CFW Walther already only a year and yep. a half out of the seminary. Yep. Okay. I was doing that while I was at the <laughs> seminary. Yep. There's two of you pastors serving four parishes. Yes. So it's kind of a right. like instead of one having two dual parishes with one pastor apiece, you kind of uh, right. split up the responsibilities between the four. Right. So we'll, so Sunday mornings function basically as a, as a dual parish. We'll both be at two congregations, and that just rotates week to week. And then during the rest of the week, we uh, do our best at splitting up the responsibilities uh, of taking care of the, the congregants. Now, this isn't so. some kind of multiplication scheme that then next year you'll have eight congregations served by four pastors, and before you know it, no. you'll take over the whole district? No, I, I, I proposed <laughs> that, but they shot that down pretty quickly. Anyways, well, and I have had the, have a little bit of history with uh, Pastor Kilgo. Sean and I got to know each other out of our uh, mutual interest in the field of apologetics. Uh, first meeting, uh, hadn't even met you. You stayed, you crashed at a hotel room on my sofa sleeper. At, yeah, uh, that, that was probably not a good decision on my part. <laughs> in uh, Mequon, Wisconsin at an apologetics conference at Concordia University. And then we spent a couple weeks uh, with a group of about 25 in Strasbourg, France, the International yep. Academy of Apologetics. And turns out I moved to the queue and you're from Albuquerque. I am. Graduate yeah, so. of the Uni University of New Mexico, go Lobos. Um, yep, everybody had, is one. Yeah, everyone's a Lobo. We've had a chance to visit each other's homes, and uh, you're also an avid gamer. I have yet to meet anybody that is in, into card and table type games as you. How many games do you have in your household? Uh, we, we have over 200. And uh, the record of the chancellor here at your house playing games with you and your family is what? Well, you are technically one oh, to know, but to be fair, <laughs> I had to switch it to an easier game oh, because you were not quite understanding wanna... how to play the oh, other game. Wow! So. I was no, actually, I was afraid one of your kids was going to beat me in some <laughs> of the science categories. So, anyways, well, enough about that. Last week, 
this is a nice topic. We're going to talk today about heavenly misconceptions. You wrote a, a wonderful little article, a pithy article, as they say, in the uh, summer or June-July issue of the Lutheran Witness on some heavenly misconception. Right. Just had kind of a tough show last week talking to uh, one of our beloved college students who lost his um, mother tragically and thought this would be a nice follow-up uh, to talk to you about you know, what is heaven? What are some of the, the myths and the misconceptions and setting the record straight, as it were? First one, you know, people have a lot of different ideas about heaven. The first one has to do with angels. What right. are the angels? And do we, you know, the idea, do we become angels when we die? Do we earn wings? People speak of, oh, so-and-so has now died and gone to be an angel with the Lord or whatever. Tell us about this. Or, yeah, and you hear another one too, which is which is pretty terrible. Uh, that uh, God needed another angel. Oh. You, you you hear that especially with children when they die. And I I think uh, that this is people genuinely trying to bring comfort to themselves and to others. I mean, to put the best construction on that, they sure. they want to bring comfort to people. It's just everybody's kind of been contaminated by this touched by an angel uh, uh, movie. So. Um, Basically, I mean, when we look at the scriptures, we see that God created the angels as part of creation. We don't know when, but it's during the six days of creation, and 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 they are a separate part of creation. And when we're looking throughout, one of the things that stands out in Genesis is that God creates Adam and Eve, mankind, in a very unique and personal way in compared to the rest of creation. So, sure. so they stand out all the way from the beginning. The angels are are given to us as a gift of creation, as God's messengers and servants. Uh, so so we see that the angels are those who who come and and bring God's word to people. Uh, they are those who uh, who fight for God. So we see this in the the person of uh, Michael, the archangel, who battles Satan, uh, like in Daniel and in Revelation. We see the angel Gabriel who comes and and announces the incarnation uh, to Mary and to Joseph and. Yeah, they're all over the incarnation of our Lord, everywhere they show up. Right, and then they show up to the shepherds, like you get the one, and then you get the whole chorus. I mean, they're just everywhere, but they're all doing the same thing. They're proclaiming God's word. Uh, They are messengers, uh, which is what the word angel means, is is a messenger, from God to his people, right? I mean, that's their primary purpose. Sure. So they're creatures. Right. They are creatures. They were created. They were right. created, we are created, but we don't transition one to another. We're not transitioning into angels. Right. And I, and I think probably I mean, I'm the, sorry the about best... that word. I'm tired of hearing that word, but that, that, that ain't happening here. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, so we're not transitioning angels, um, and we should be glad about that, too, because when we—probably uh, the most helpful passage on this in the, is in the book of Hebrews. Uh, the, the author of the book of Hebrews comes along and says that surely it is not angels uh, uh, who— uh, who the Lord helps um, at uh, drawing together the uh, Christ's incarnation. Surely it's not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham, which we know from the, the rest of the scriptures, and especially St. Paul, that uh, by faith, uh, all Christians are offspring of Abraham. Uh, so so Jesus puts on human flesh and, and, and blood. He becomes human uh, in order to help us and not the angels. And so we should be glad that we don't transition to become angels because then Jesus isn't for us anymore. Sure. Um, but uh, angels, so, they're genderless, correct? Uh, yeah. I and mean, they don't look like the little, the little fluffy <laughs> cherubs. 
No, we, we see this too, that uh, every time an angel shows up in the scriptures, it seems one of the first things that they say is fear not, uh, right. which, which should give us an implication of, of what the sight of an angel. Of course, would, you know, when be. you see all these precious moments, little angels, I'm actually scared of those. So I, I maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe there's something to do that. And they maybe also they look have, like sometimes that. in, in ancient art, uh, medieval art, you know, see them, and then they're like headless. They're just like heads, and it's like no angels. That they're, I mean, we don't really know exactly what they look. We don't. Like. We have an idea. They probably do have wings. Scriptures do speak of them, as, right? As Especially the seraphim. Sure, right? But uh, but they are. We would say they're our friends. Yes. They they, they uh, and they they long. Do they not? To I would think that they would long. They're in heaven. They're always beholding the face of God. And yet they are in a way serving us in part as messengers and as as guardians. The scriptures make that clear. I would think that they can't wait to get this thing on. Right. Yeah. Uh, so so they are they are always there to serve God, and God's chief work is to bring people into faith and ultimately to bring them into everlasting life with them. And so that the angels um, are always pleased uh, to do that work. Uh, so so this is why we see that the the picture in. Uh, Luke chapter uh, 14, uh, with the, the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin, sure. uh, that, uh, that all the angels in, in heaven rejoice sure. over one sinner who repents. Of course, because right? so, they've, they've, gained, they've gained one for the kingdom, as it were. Right, right. So, so they're, they're definitely on our side. And you mentioned that the guardians, you know, Matthew 18 speaks this way, that, uh, that Jesus says that uh, concerning the little ones who believe in him, that the, the angels... Uh, who are before God um, uh, are are always about them. They're they're, they're protecting them. Uh, so uh, so we we uh, God certainly sends the angels to protect us as well. We can speak that way that you know God's angels were with me uh, when I was driving along and uh, I had a uh, near collision and didn't collide. You know God's hand of mercy was on me. Uh, working the the angels working through that, but they're also so, there even if you do collide. They are, they are, and and I think this is um, uh, we have the the parable of the rich man and Lazarus uh, that that Jesus gives us, where uh, he says that when the uh, when Lazarus dies, that the angels carry him up into heaven, and we have this depicted for us in the in the great comforting hymn, Lord, thee I love with all my heart, sure. in the third stanza it says. Lord, let at last thine angels come to Abram's bosom, bear me home that I may die unfearing. And that's a right, picture so. of, of angels, though, in, in beautiful artistic value of, of and, and depiction of, of literally carrying, carrying us to, to Abram's bosom, which is in essence right. kind of symbolism of taking us to the Father. Right, to, to, be, to be before the throne of God in, sure. uh, in heaven, right? Now, so we do have guardian angels. Does that mean yep. that you and I have the same one? Uh, if I we do, he's working work. overtime. <laughs> um, and we don't know. Uh, there, there is no answer to this in, in, in the scriptures. Um, I mean, it could, be, it could very well be that every single person that, that uh, is created, since God knows from before the beginning of time how many people are going to be created, uh, that, that he created that many angels, one, one for each person. Or it could be that uh, he has created a certain number of angels, and they serve uh, God's creation. Uh, angels aren't limited physically the same way we are. So sure. we don't know, but God promises that they do uh, watch over us. Absolutely. So. And that, that kind of underscores kind of an undercurring theme with all of your uh, 
misconceptions here that uh, the bottom line is we, we, we always have to be careful to not go beyond to, to right. on the scripture to confess what the scripture does say and that there are some open questions about this and right. uh, anyway so and that brings me to the second one of your misconceptions um, which you titled what color will the grass be and I got to think you know people are right. often thinking about oh what kind of a picture of what they want heaven to look like it'll be like a like a 72 hole golf course uh, there will be right. mountains, blue sky, my, my, my heaven. You know, people often use that kind of, I, I would have cactus and lots of desert stuff, human-sized green chilies, palm trees, everything with, uh, with margaritas falling from the limbs that you can just pluck off. <laughs> right. Um, and so everybody's got kind of their idea of what they want heaven to be like. What, what will it right. be like? And, and well, so this is this is interesting because we actually do get a little bit of a picture of this in the book of Revelation, right, where, where it talks about. Now, now it's again, we always have to be careful with the book of Revelation because it is uh, apocalyptic literature and we can't take everything entirely literally there. But we do get get some pictures of what it's going to look like that there's, you know, you have the the, uh, uh, the the tree of life that's in the middle of everything. You, know, you have God's throne that's there and you have the angels worshiping and the people worshiping and you have all the various uh, uh, pathways and, and streams and grass and everything um, that are uh, these drawing from the depictions of uh, of like Psalm 23 uh, and, and from Ezekiel and from uh, uh, from Daniel. But um, uh, I, I think one of the things that we, we have a tendency to do is we, we want to uh, make heaven out in our minds in the image of our idols, right? So, so what are the things that we that that we idolize here on earth? Well, that's what we want to be in heaven. And yet, the the way heaven is depicted for us in the scriptures, the chief thing is that the entire focus is upon uh, is upon the Lord. Finally, right? The first commandment is uh, is not gone, but it is in, it's still in full effect and it's being kept perfectly and it's being kept perfectly in joy. Um, and so I think that, that might be what we want to say first is that, that the focus of heaven is always upon, uh, the throne of God and the lamb who is seated there. Um, but then also the lamb serving. Uh, so we see that Jesus comes and he gives us to eat of the tree of life, right? So that same tree, it was barred, in Genesis, by the by the uh, by the angels, uh, a angel with the the sword that the flaming sword that pointed every which direction, mm -hmm. and he and God says the reason why they can't eat of it is lest they eat and live forever, right? And so then we get this same tree shows up again in the Book of Revelation, and it says that that Jesus will give us to eat of the tree of life. Because at that so this, point, this, we do want to live forever. We, we want to live forever, and Jesus is not, actually not the one previous, handing it to but us. But not previously in our sinful and fallen state until God's plan of salvation worked out. Right, okay. right. Yeah. Uh, so, but, I mean, all this, all these other things are, are kind of peripheral. You know, is, is the grass green? I don't know. Maybe maybe it's blue. It's not going to really matter. Uh, uh, it'll only be blue grass for people that dream of heaven from Boise, Idaho. <laughs> Yeah, or they they have blue turf for people in the right. uh, university state right. in there, but but there'll be green chilies, of course, right? There has to be. Yeah, green. It's part of God's creation. <laughs> so okay, but God's creation. So part of the 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 kind of the 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 picture we get biblically, especially in Revelation, isn't not kind of a uh, 
a redemption and restoration and even a, a one-upsmanship of God's creation in, in, in like on steroids, like where it seems like you have a lot of fulfillment of all of creation groaning and then all of a sudden creation, there is God's creation. It's almost like a restoration of, of, of all things, but yet all things made even new and better. Right. Yeah. So, so uh, a lot of the old theologians, especially, would talk about uh, the the new heavens and the new earth as a return to to Eden, right? Um, uh, and and yet one of the things that's changed now is it's not just two people that are there. Sure. You have the entirety of all believers of all time who are now there. Uh, so I mean, this is just going to be a a huge sight to behold. But you have the animals there. We get this picture. Wait, 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 in, wait, wait, wait! Ding, 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 ding! I'm jumping. There, there, there will be animals there. Well, yeah, I, uh, this is what the, the prophet Isaiah teaches us. I get asked this uh, all the time. Pastor, my dog died. Will my dog be with me in heaven? Now, I won't say that, it, that your dog in particular is going to be with you in heaven. Uh, uh, and and uh, But there may be dogs. And we don't have a word from that. But there, there's going to be animals there just like there were in the original creation, right? This is part of God's declaration of everything sure. being very good. And Isaiah gives us this picture of, you know, that the, of the, uh, of the resurrection where you have the child putting his hand in the adder's den and you have the lion and the sheep lying there together. This is actually one of the, the great pictures when you see paintings of, uh, uh, more so that the creation, but we can apply this to the to the resurrection as well. Of you'll have like a lion and a lamb laying next to each other, Natu right? And the lion's not going to eat the lamb. Artificial enemies, as a result of sin, will now naturally enjoy one another's company and the company of all creation. Right um, now, I so I don't Wiley want to go e. and say Coyote, that Wiley E. Coyote there may <laughs> <laughs> will have the Roadrunner beep beeping on his back. Right, it could right. be. You never know. It could be. Okay. Um, so, and I don't want to say any, any, you know, one's particular animals there, because then we also have to answer the question, you know, what about all the cows that I ate? Um, you know, are they going to be lined up asking me how I tasted? Uh, so that would be, uh, <laughs> I mean, that could be interesting, but, but because there's uh, no we, more we sin and fallen nature, right. the cows won't be saying eat more chicken. Right, like in the right. Chick-fil-A commercials. But yeah, the, the I think this, this all kind of hammers home the idea that why we make comparisons to what we know, right? Uh, idolatrous or not. So, of course, we, we want to long for those things that we love and know because we don't know what to compare it to. And the only thing scriptural speaking that we do know what it, we might compare it to would be a restoration of Eden, right? Uh, but fulfilled. Right. Um, and and the, the, the great picture that we get of this is uh, from St. Paul, uh, where, where he teaches us that um, uh, in, in 1 Corinthians, that in the resurrection, um, so right now he says that we see as though through a mirror dimly lit, and we uh, know only in part, uh, whereas in the resurrection we will uh, see clearly, so everything will, will be revealed to us uh, clearly, and we will know fully and then he says even as we ourselves are fully known so in the same manner in which god knows us we will know what we need to know but but that's the key is that um you know we we have these questions that that we joke about i hear this all the time that we joke about and when i get to heaven i'm going to ask god about whatever 
Well, it may be that that question just doesn't matter to you anymore. We won't be uh, longing for the things of this fallen world at that right. Point. So the thing, yeah, you know, but that's you I know why. Know. Why does everything taste like chicken? Well, you're you're probably not going to be asking that question. You know, everything anymore tastes because... like chicken because people aren't putting green chili on it like they should. But that's, <laughs> say, I got another a quick misconception, and yeah. uh, I got uh, this isn't one you even mentioned in your article, uh, but the whole idea of. You know how you're at an you're watching an awards show and somebody says, you know, my grandmother is so proud. I'm sure she's up in heaven, looking down on me and smiling at my right. victory or whatever it is. Does this right. happen? Is there a uh, are people in heaven? It strikes me that if somebody's in heaven having to watch, it's one. It's bad enough the angels have to look over me. I can't imagine right. what it would be like for those that should be enjoying the the eternity of the bliss of being in our Lord's presence to have to worry about what's going on here. How would you answer that? Yeah. Yeah. So one is again, the, the picture that we get of, of heaven, uh, and, and this is, and now we're talking about when the, the soul has departed and is with the Lord prior to the resurrection, uh, that heaven, um, that they are depicted as being before the throne of God, uh, and, and worshiping him. Right. So that, that is their, their focus. Um, the other thing is I think we can look again at the parable of the rich man Lazarus and, and get some help here that, uh, that, that Jesus says that there is a chasm fixed between the, the two places um, that, that uh, nothing can go in between them. Um, and it seems we notice that the, when, the, in, when Jesus is telling the parable, Lazarus never says anything. Uh, he never even seems to acknowledge that the rich man exists any longer. Um, and, and the rich man, uh, wants to, uh, get word to his brothers and, and to his relatives, uh, to warn them. Uh, and he tells, tells Abraham to send Lazarus or, or to send an a, a angel or whatever. Um, and, and this implies that, that they can't, they, they can't get there, uh, and, and do anything. But I think with, with Lazarus, especially, he doesn't seem to care any longer, uh, be, because he is in uh, uh, the, the beginnings of eternal bliss now. And we should rejoice for that because this is one of the, the promises of, uh, uh, of the death of the, the Christian is that there will be no more sorrow, right? And what else would it be if you are in a state of, of bliss to look down at sinful fallen humanity? Uh, all you would see would be sorrow, uh, so, so we should rejoice that they don't look down and and see us like that. Uh, but we can also rejoice. I think, I think the well-meaningness of that, that's that sentiment is sure. that that there's going to be there. This connection isn't severed, right? They're not gone forever. So, so I think what we should kind of turn this around to when people want to say this is, well, that that's not the way the scriptures speak. But uh, when when you die you will go to be this in the same place before the throne of the Lord as them. And in the resurrection, your bodies will both be raised uh, imperishable and immortal together. Uh, uh, th this is the picture uh, in, in the book of Job, uh, where he he's going to receive back all of his children in the resurrection. Job's great on, on all this stuff, but th this is one of the, the fantastic things that he gets double back at the end. Uh, ten, but ten children, and and the thing that kind of gets missed if you don't read it really carefully is that uh, it seems to be ten new children, and that the ten children who died 
are going to be given back to him in the resurrection. So he does have 20 children. It's just 10 are waiting for him on the other side of the resurrection. So, Well, that is awesome. I actually wish we had a lot more we could have covered here, but uh, we are <laughs> out of time. And, uh, of course, it goes without saying this is, you know, for college students out there, especially those that are listening in the middle of finals. Um, what do you think this all says about, you know, in 30 seconds or so, about the perspective that they should take to their studies and the things, you know, we all obsess over work and and what we have to do for a career and and making money and and in reality this really kind of puts things in perspective in terms of those things that really matter well i think the main thing is that what matters is where we're going to be for eternity um and what the scriptures have to say about that and that we would want the lord to be able to say of us what he says of the saints in psalm 116 that precious in the sight of the lord is the death of his saints We, we want the lord to look at our own death and the death of our loved ones as being precious because that means we get to go and be with, with him for eternity without any barriers uh, of sin any longer. Thank you for joining us, Sean. Yeah, thanks for having me. All the way from northeastern Kansas, and uh, have a blessed rest of Adventide and Christmas. Hey, is this heaven? Well, that's all the time we have here in the Student Union today, folks. LCMSU.org, college students, college is tough. You need Jesus, we'll help. You've been listening to The Student Union, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission, in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting the Student Union.